It can be seen as an arcane test of magical acumen, which is a fun board game. Welcome to another Dragonlance Saga episode. My name is Adam, and today we're going to talk about Mage Stone's game. I'd like to take a moment and thank the members of this channel and invite you to consider becoming a member by visiting the link in the description below. You can even pick up Dragonlance gaming materials using my affiliate links. I'm referencing the Dragonlance Mage Stone's game rules for this information. If I leave anything out or misspeak, please leave a comment below. For Magi on Kryn, there are few tests which showcase one's mastery over the world of magic, outside the test of high sorcery, quite as poignantly as Mage Stones. The board itself is the personification of the world of magic, with each of its descending horizontal rows corresponding to a school of magic, and each of its successive vertical columns corresponding to a plane of existence. Even the stones placed by each mage are mere representations of each caster's prowess, symbolizing their own magical energy. By placing their stone, the wizard is investing his own magical energy from a particular school of magic onto their chosen plane of existence. As each stone is placed, they are forming an arcane pattern of magical power which emboldens and enshrines that wizard in the cosmos. The skill of this test is that the wizard vies to create a magical pattern, which then dominates and binds the other wizards, while protecting themselves from attack. The first wizard to place all of their stones has created the most powerful pattern binding their known schools of magic with the planes of existence, signifying themselves as the preeminent mage. In the Age of Despair, Mage Stones was little more than a curiosity, a relic of an earlier age before the Cataclysm. Only mages who studied the orders of high sorceries past would discover scattered writings about this test of magic, which is only briefly mentioned in connections with the inner planes and schools of magic. From these archaic historic references, the test grew. It was initially practiced to sharpen the wits of apprentice wizards while simultaneously familiarizing themselves with arcane concepts. Gradually, this test grew as symbolism and strategy were layered onto the basic magical school and planar structure inherent to the test. Eventually, it evolved into the ultimate non-magical challenge between wizards. With this test, one might find an apprentice testing their skill against a master of an order of magic. Rival wizards would turn to the Maidstone's test rather than waste their own magical power on each other. The structure of the board deserves a little clarity before we dive into the mechanics of Mage Stones. Again, the vertical columns are representations of the planes of existence, with the center column, represented by the number 6, being the prime material plane. It is the safest plane of existence and the center of the board. The reality of the prime material plane is that with so much arcane presence, worldly distraction, and interference therein, it is the most difficult plane to establish power upon. Surrounding the Prime Material Plane is the Ethereal Plane, represented by columns 5 and 7. It is an easy plane to penetrate, but it is also the most difficult to control. Bordering the Ethereal Plane on the left, represented by column 4, is the Elemental Plane of Air, and on the right, represented by the column of 8, is the Elemental Plane of Earth. These are the simplest planes to enter, 
but competition over them is fierce, and talented wizards will always try to target them from the ethereal plane. Finally, the outer planes round out the elemental forces with the left, represented by column 3, being the elemental plane of water, and the right, represented by column 9, being the elemental plane of fire. These planes are entirely hostile to outsiders and the most difficult to enter. However, once a wizard has a foothold therein, it secures their ability to threaten adjacent planes. The horizontal rows once again represent the various schools of magic. The most powerful schools are found near the edges of the board, or the top and bottom, and the weaker schools are located toward the center. In order, the schools are as follows. Alteration, Illusion, Enchantment Charm, Conjuring Summoning, Greater Divination, Lesser Divination, Abjuration, Necromancy, and finally, Invocation-Evocation. Consciously manipulating various schools of magic on the myriad of inner planes to outwit your opponents is where the true skill of this test lies. Now that we're familiar with the history and construction of mage stones, let's discover the mechanics of this game. First and foremost, the goal is to place all of your stones on the board while simultaneously removing other players' stones. With each successive game of stones being placed, points are accumulated, and the wizard with the most points at the end wins. The target number varies, as do the number of stones available, by the number of wizards playing. For each player, you have the target goal of points increased by 5. So with two players, the target number is 10. A 5-player match would end at 25 points. Alternatively, if you have a specific number each player agrees on, you can use that instead. Ultimately, the player with the highest number wins. In a two-player game, each player has 12 stones of a single color. In a three-player game, each player has eight stones. With four players, six stones are used, five players have five stones each, and six players have four stones each. The stones must be placed in front of the player for all to see. If this is the first game, each player rolls 3d3. If you use a d6 rather than a d3 die, 4, 5, and 6 should be assigned as 1, 2, and 3 respectively. The player with the highest total goes first, and play proceeds clockwise. In successive games, the winner of the previous game goes first. To begin play, a player rolls 3d3. The sum tells the player which plane of existence or column they can place one of their stones in. It is up to the player which school of sorcery or empty square in a row to place it on within the column. If the player rolls triplets, or three of the same number, they get to take another turn and this continues with each successive triple roll. If the player rolls a 1, 2, and 3, however, they lose their turn and cannot place a stone in the prime material plane, or column 6. If any column is full, the player loses their turn as well. The strategy is represented by binding and dispelling other wizards' stones, or magical energy. If bound, the dispelled stones must be removed from the board, returned to the player, you can bind a player's stone by placing a single stone on either end of another player's stone. This may be placed vertically, horizontally, or diagonally. It can even travel from the top of a single plane of existence to the bottom of that same plane, but not from the edge of a school to the opposite edge of a school. There can be no empty spaces within a bound group, and any stone in the prime material plane, or column 6, is never dispelled, but can be used to bind others' stones. Multiple players' stones can be bound in this fashion. However, binding only happens when the outer binding stone is placed, 
So if a dispelled stone square is now open, it's considered safe from the bordering stones. And you can never dispel your own stones. There are, of course, consequences to those not paying the closest attention. If you make a binding move without realizing it, before the next player rolls their die, the stones are saved and not dispelled. Due to Raceland Majir concealing his remaining stones and winning multiple horses from another wizard, the rule of Raceland's ploy has been created. Not only do the stones need to be in full view of all players, when there is only one stone left to a player, they must announce it. If they do not, by the time the next player rolls their die, any player can call out Raceland and cause the player with one stone remaining to lose their next turn. When all of one player's stones are placed, the game is over. Scoring is made in the positive for each stone on the board and negative for each stone off the board. You can play this game as teams as well, and there's a fair amount of strategy to be learned and employed. Mage Stones is a game worth exploring with friends and rivals alike. Always remember to consult the rules if you run into any problems. But that is all I have to say about Mage Stones game. What do you think about the game? Do you enjoy the lore and Dungeons & Dragons references in it? Do you have any tried and true strategies you would like to share? Leave a comment below. Now I would like to take a moment and remind you to subscribe to this YouTube channel, ring the bell to get notified about upcoming videos, and click the like button. This all goes to help other Dragonlance fans learn about this channel and its content. Thank you for watching. This has been Adam with Dragonlance Saga, and until next time, remember, most of us walk in light and shadow, but there are the chosen few who carry their own light to brighten both day and night.